You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 991 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. With only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Today's podcast will focus on what became a clinching win for the Hawks over the Washington Wizards. It wasn't always pretty. The Hawks trailed by a large portion uh, of this game. They, they were actually down by 13 in the second half. They came all the way back, and now it is uh, official. It was already, I would say, virtually academic that the Hawks were going to be a top six team based on the last couple of days of results, but it was not 100% sure. It was like 99.9%. But now it's official. The Hawks clinch a playoff spot for the first time since the 2016-17 season. Ironically, their last playoff game was April 28th, 2017, against the Washington Wizards, which is pretty funny, pretty good synergy there. Just a little bit more than four years ago. And the Hawks, by the way, have been red hot at home. They have now won nine games in a row in their home building. They've not lost a home game since April 15th, so almost a month. In fact, it will be it will be a month if they can win on Thursday. But uh, more obviously to come on the game tonight. But obviously the top line is that the Hawks won this game. And with the win, they are now heading back to the playoffs and in good shape, honestly, for a top four seed if they can uh, win out, as they probably should the rest of the way. Um, as for the game itself, we'll dive in now, as we always do, but some pregame stuff here uh, on the injury front. Both Kevin Herter and Tony Snell were, were actually on the original injury report for this game. Ended up being removed from it, though, which is positive. Uh, Herter with a hip soreness issue, and then Snell with the Achilles soreness that cost him Monday's game. Both those guys uh, you know, being removed entirely is probably good news, and they ended up playing and playing just fine in this game. Uh, DeAndre Hunter did not play in this game, but no concerns. Um, as soon as they announced this, um, I was uh, I was told it was a precautionary measure, a planned absence on the back-to-back. The Hawks, of course, play on Thursday against Orlando, and after the game, Nate McMillan, um, again, confirmed that that, that was uh, all precautionary. There's been no setbacks. In fact, McMillan said Tuesday that Hunter had no swelling or soreness after the game on Monday, so... All clear at this moment in time. Obviously, the injury report is not official until Thursday afternoon for Thursday's game. But uh, all signs point, at least I've been told, that uh, he'll, he's playing to play on Thursday, barring some change. So nothing to worry about there. And then Cam Reddish obviously missed this game as well. Um, no Bradley Beal again for the Wizards. Same available roster as Monday for Washington uh, and, and Atlanta, except for Hunter for the most part. Uh, but bet online, our friends there made the Hawks a seven-point favorite in this game. So for back-to-back games against Washington, the Hawks did not cover the spread, but they ended up winning on both occasions. Um, all right, we'll dive in now to the game. And uh, kind of an interesting start to this contest. The Hawks actually started on a 9-3 run out of the gate, but Kevin Herter got two fouls in the first 100 seconds of this game, so they had to go Tony Snell. And they kind of threw off the rotation in some ways, really just those two guys, but they kind of had to stagger them in a bit of an odd way because Herter got fouls in the second half as well and kind of uh, got forced to the bench. But the first pa- the first bucket of the game actually was an awesome pass by Herter before he left the game to Bogdanovich for a three. Uh, but then the Wizards came back with an immediate 8-0 run. So there was lots of back and forth in this spot throughout the night, honestly. Um, but there was a pretty lob from young, young, young De Capella in the first quarter for a left-handed dunk. There was also an, a uh, pretty awesome behind-the-back pass that made the national rounds from from Trey. Then he threw it to Snell for a three. Uh, just kind of a, you know one of, those, one of those beautiful no-look passes that um, only Trey can throw. At least he's on a short list of guys who throw, throw that kind of pass. It was an awesome look from Young. They got to the line a lot in the first quarter, which is good to see. Lots of aggression there. 
They scored six straight points at one point to go up by eight. Um, the last four actually came from McConwoo, who had a couple of nice little stretches offensively in this spot. In the first quarter, though, it was a lot of positivity. 58% from the floor, only two turnovers, 12 free throw attempts. Uh, they actually scored almost 1.4 points per possession in the first quarter. Trey had 11 and was driving the offense very well. Defensively, it wasn't quite as good, but lots of positives in that opening four. But from there, the middle two quarters were not particularly kind to Atlanta. Um, overall, it was 61-48 to 48 in those middle two quarters, and it was actually a little bit worse than that at times for Atlanta. Um, they go, they go, actually, it was not a second unit in this game. It was kind of ironic. Usually when the Hawks kind of wax and wane this season, it's been the bench. And the bench was not great in this game by any means. But um, for the most part, it was the starters kind of faltering a little bit um, at different times in those middle two quarters. Um, Herder had a nice little stretch. We had five points in about 30 seconds. Pushed a little bit back up to six and sort of saved the bench. I do want to mention, this is a good point that a friend of the podcast, Tower Jones, made actually on Twitter. The current second unit is really dependent on jump shooting, which I think we kind of know, but it's just worth kind of saying out loud. Um, if you factor in who that is, you know, it's, it's Lou Williams, it's, uh, you know, either Snell or Herder, it's Gallinari. Uh, lots of, I mean, I guess everyone but a Kongwu is a lot of, there's a lot of jump shooting, basically. So if they don't have it, especially Lou and Gallinari, it's, it's kind of a little bit tough to generate offense, which I thought was at least noteworthy. They ended up playing even without Trey in that first half, which ended up being probably a small win overall. But regardless, they brought Collins back in as backup center before Capella. Kind of an oddly long stretch. Capella sat in the first half about 11 minutes without any foul trouble. One of his longer breaks of the season. I'm not really sure what was going on there. Maybe try to hold him back on a back-to-back, whatever was going on. But um, also, the Wizards started out, uh, sorry, closed the first half pretty strongly. There was a nice outside block by Collins on a shot that would have given the Washington the lead late. But then Washington actually took the lead on a 9-2 run to close the half. They went up by three. The Hawks led by eight, so to be down three at the half was a little bit, um, I would say, unsatisfying for Atlanta. Westbrook was really cooking for the Wizards in the first half. He actually hit four threes, which is not normally the way that he's doing his damage these, uh, these days. The Hawks just went cold in the second quarter. Eight to 21 from the floor, one of seven from three, and five turnovers. The perimeter shooting was a big problem for the Hawks until the fourth quarter. For, in this game for Atlanta, they just couldn't make threes, and you know that's going to happen sometimes, and that kind of exacerbated other issues that Atlanta was having uh, traded at 15 in the first half, but, um, you know, wasn't like an overwhelmingly positive performance. I know Washington's been playing better, but this is Washington without Bradley Beal and the Hawks just did not play very well for the first three, three and a half quarters in this game. Um, before we get to the second half, as we always do, and uh, the rest of our podcast, it's time to reveal our Michelob Ultra player of the week. Last week, it was Trey Young. And quite honestly, Trey Young could have been the pick again this week. He led the team in scoring, um, and if I wanted to give it to Trey Young every week, or at least most weeks, I probably could. But I, I try to keep it a little bit um, more egalitarian in this space, and um, I want to spread the wealth a little bit. So John Collins is the selection this time around. In the four games this week, Collins shot 62% from the floor, 46% from three, and 82% from the line. Um, he And actually, he scored almost 24 points a game in the last three, made a bunch of defensive plays as well. Um, there was one other candidate, it was Bogdanovich, who shot 55% from three this week, because he's just unbelievable as a perimeter shooter at this point in time. And he's also gotten it recently, so I want to keep it flowing a little bit, And uh, but had no fear, I considered all parties. Um, as for Collins, though, I think he's taken on a bit of a smaller role offensively at times this year, honestly smaller than I wanted it to be in a lot of ways, but he's maintained his efficiency very well. I thought he was very good defensively this week at a pretty important time. They're going to need him, obviously, 
that goes without saying, but especially in the playoffs, if they were going to pair that rotation down a little bit, he'll be, he'll be the backup center a lot of the time. And uh, it was just sort of a microcosm of Collins playing very well, making a bunch of big plays. He was sort of a pivot point a couple times in this game as well as earlier in the week. So I wanted to reward him for that impressive play. And uh, it takes a team effort for sure, but Collins was very good and I think it's kind of been a forgotten man at times. So I wanted to shed some light on John Collins. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories? It's only worth it if you enjoy it. In the end, joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Michelob Ultra and the Ultra Player of the Week is John Collins. Okay, we'll go to the second half now. And it wasn't exactly smooth sailing the entire way for Atlanta, as you might guess, by the uh, game flow in this spot. In fact, it was an 8-2 run by the Wizards coming out at halftime to go up by 9. They scored in their first four possessions of the, of the second half. Not a lot of energy, I didn't think, defensively or offensively, really, but especially defensively in the third quarter at times. Um, they did come out after that, play a little bit better. They got Collins on Russell Westbrook in an isolation and scored, and then Trey had a floater after a stop. Um, Herter, as I said before, got foul trouble again, had four fouls early in the third quarter. They went to Snell again. Um, but a 7-0 run by the Wizards to go up by 11 with about five minutes to go in the third. At that point, the Hawks were four of 21 from three. Um, they missed their first seven three-point attempts in the third quarter, which was definitely part of the problem in Washington building that lead. And it got up to as many as 13 points. Again, the Hawks trailed by 13 late in the third, ended up coming back to win, of course. Um, part of that credit goes to the end of the fourth quarter, sorry, end of the third quarter, with the Kongwu getting back-to-back buckets that were pretty badly needed at that point in time. Then Trey made the first and only three-pointer that anybody made in the third quarter, um, late on the final possession to cut the lead down to eight. Um, the Hawks actually shot very well, 54% shooting in the third quarter, which I would have lost a bet on that if I didn't know it uh, and looked it up. Um, but they were one of eight from three, again, only that Trey Young shot at the end. And no free throws. So the way to have a bad offensive quarter when you shoot 54% from the floor is to have never get to the line and not make any threes. So um, with all that said, you're down eight. It's not like it was over. Walks were in decent shape because of that little late push, but still you're uh, looking up a little bit. And then in the fourth, it wasn't immediately better. They actually trailed by 12 um, after McMillan had to call a timeout. Four points in a row, and the Hawks again were down 13 with 10 to go. So after all that, all, all that little work to get down to sort of cut the lead down from 13 down to 8, it's back to 13, 10 minutes to go. But then the runs started coming uh, first, and I think probably the biggest run of the, of the game, if, if you're asking me, was a 9-0 run by the Hawks. Get down to 102-99. to That feature back by threes by, by Collins and Bogdanovich. A couple big shots there. Um, and after that 4-21 start from three, they actually made four of their next six, which was very, very helpful. The Wizards did not score very well at different times in the fourth quarter, as evidenced by their uh, total scoring in the fourth quarter of 25 points. wasn't too bad, but um, the couple of dry spells really hurt them. They did play some Lou Williams, Trey Young minutes together, which I don't love famously, um, but I will say this. The best time to do that, I think um, I would defend it because of this, is the problem with that unit is obviously defense. But because they were losing by 10 points, basically, when that came in, there's an argument that you want some offensive variance there because you are losing. Um, so they went kind of all offense in that spot. It was Lou and Trey and no Capella. So it was Lou, Trey, Collins, Gallinari, and Bogdanovich. So they went very much offense only. Ended up working at least a little bit in that stretch. Again, I don't love it. And also Washington was playing very small with, with Neto in the backcourt and Ish Smith. So it's a little bit more defensible, too. So... Uh, people were asking me. It didn't bother me too much there. I don't, I don't, I don't love it, obviously. But if you're ever going to do it, that's probably the time to uh, when, when you're when you're trailing and trying to little. Uh, I would say kind of go all offense and try to try to catch up. So, anyway, um, they came back with Herder and Lou uh, Herder for Lou Williams and then Capella at center with about six minutes to go, down by six. Um, 
a couple three-point plays in a row that were huge. One by Capella, and then one by Trey Young to cut the lead down from six down to one, basically, on back-to-back possessions. Um, they gave up uh, some buckets to Westbrook after the timeout, so they're down five again with three minutes to go. From there, um, sort of trade buckets. Bogdanovich hit a pretty preposterous three. He's just been so ridiculously good. I thought he forced a few, actually, early in the fourth, but, of course, you know he makes an impossible shot to cut the lead down from five down to two. Then there was sort of this like yakety sack sequence when both teams just could not do anything right. There were turnovers on three, three possessions in a row, two by the Hawks and then one by the Wizards. Um, but the Hawks were only, only down two, so it didn't really kill them. They actually got the one benefit was a missed three by the Wizards on a pretty good look in the corner. And then Madonna actually gave it back with a missed three. He usually makes that shot and misses it. Um, Russ then missed a fadeaway. So just basically nobody scored for a large portion of that stretch run. Um, they uh, had a short shot clock. Westbrook missed again. Uh, Trey misses a step back three, but then Capella had back-to-back just awesome contests. I know the focus is always going to be on who scores at the end of the games, and we'll get back to that in a second, but I thought Capella was not his best necessarily in this game, but those two plays in a row on Westbrook were just massive, and the Hawks just that, the Hawks ended up winning this game in the end because of their defense, really, getting stops. And, you know, again, part of that's Washington missing shots, but Capella had two just awesome contests at the rim on Westbrook to really sort of slow them down, and they were trying to basically run the all-Westbrook offense. So having Capella just sort of stonewall at the rim I thought was huge. And then finally, Young finds Collins a transition for a wide-open three that he makes that ended up being the game winner to 117-116 with 24 seconds to go. Uh, I thought it was good awareness by Collins to float to the corner. He's not always a guy that does that, but when you're, when you're down by two and you can get an open three by a good shooter, you want to do that for sure, and ended up working out very well. Good find by Trey as well in the corner. Um, from there, they get a stop. After a timeout, with Neto missing a floater, um, they foul Solomon Hill on the rebound. A nice rebound, by the way, from from Solo, who was in there for defense, obviously. He makes both. That was huge free throws by Solomon Hill to go up by three with 13 seconds to go. And the Wizards, though, got, got a pretty good look. Davis Bertans is a great shooter. He had a pretty makeable look, just ended up missing it. And they foul Herter, who ices it with one make, and that was the end of that. Now, the, as I said before about the defense... The Wizards missed their last nine shots. Now, the ninth one was a heave. So, if you want to cross that off, they missed their last eight competitive shots. No field goals for the Wizards in the last 315. Only two free throws. That was it. So, that's always a combination. I thought it was good good defense for the most part by the Hawks. Also, some misses by the Wizards. But that's why the Hawks won this game at the end of the game. They did score a lot in the fourth quarter. They had 37 points. But they had to get stops. You have to do both to come back. And the defense, especially Capella, I thought late did a huge job for the Hawks. Um, In the fourth, though, they finally made some shots. So for the game, Atlanta shoots 10 of 33 from three, which isn't terrible. That's not good, but it's not like all-time bad. But that's with 5 of 11 from three in the fourth quarter. So that definitely helped the numbers a little bit. Um, Three of those by Bogdanovich in the closing period. The the Hawks scored 37 points in the fourth and shot 55% from the floor in the fourth quarter. Um, That was huge. 54% 54% from the floor in the second half. So shooting was not a problem um, in, from two-point range the entire game, really. But the threes finally found the bottom of the net in the fourth. All told, the offense was not, like, overwhelmingly awesome. It was good. They scored about 1.15, I should say, points per possession, which is about what they averaged. Not too not, not too far off of that. So it wasn't like they, the Hawks just, like, lit the world on fire offensively. Some guys definitely had good nights, but it wasn't like they were dominant. Um, they just shoot the ball very well. 14 turnovers is not what you want necessarily, but they, uh, you know, 58 points to the point is just fine. You know, lots of positives offensively, but not a ton of assists, um, 22. So, you know, again, I, I think sort of a solid yet unspectacular night offensively for most guys. 
Um, defensively, same sort of story. You know, the numbers are okay. They're not great. And I think, you know, I'm not going to come on here and lie to you. The Hawks didn't play that well in this game. Um, the Wizards playing without Beal. There's a reason why the Hawks were favored in this game by seven points or so. And it's because Washington, yes, they have Russ. But other than that, not the greatest roster in the world. You know, Gafford was pretty good for them off the bench, I thought. But the Hawks just kind of did enough. They didn't really dominate anywhere except for two-point shooting in the entire game. You know, defensively, they held them in check, but didn't force a lot of turnovers. Um, Washington just kind of missed a missed some shots. Um, they'd actually attempted, by the way, the Wizards took 15 more shots than the Hawks did in this game and lost. Um, that's because the Hawks had seven more turnovers than the Wizards did, which is not what you want, and also a lot more free throw attempts, which definitely balances out a little bit. But um, not often do you see a team take 15 more shots and lose. But that happened here for the Wizards. Okay, before we get to some individual stuff, a word from our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts, and it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as I said a number of times, is cookies and cream, and the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. If you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try BuiltBar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at BetOnline.ag. Baseball is in full swing right now, and you can track all of the action and much, much more at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including the NBA, of course, with MLB, NHL, UFC, golf, soccer, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. BetOnline also has all of the props and future bets you could possibly want, and they offer live wagering options on a ton of events, which can add a lot of intrigue when you're watching any game. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. You can check out the news, contest information, and sign-up bonuses right now. Take this chance to get off the sidelines and take your opportunity to get into the game as teams prepare for the run to the playoffs. If you visit BetOnline.ag right now, you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. That is a 50% bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. One more time, that is promo code Locked On, 50% more in a welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so that will uh, get us to the end of the podcast uh, with some individual breakdowns here before we get out of here on this Wednesday. Um, the bench was not great, but not terrible. Um, only one guy had a sort of glaring negative plus minus. It was Tony Snell. I'm not sure he was terrible in this game. Just kind of uh, a weird confluence of events to have him, him sort of be the only guy bridging that gap. Um, five points, five rebounds for Snell. Actually, made both of the shot attempts, just kind of low volume as often. Defensively, had some decent moments at times. I thought he was okay. It wasn't like he was great, but probably didn't earn quite the minus 13 that he got. Lou Williams was not very good in his first stint. A little better in his second stint. I thought he improved, um, stabilizing the offense a little bit. Still only one of five from the floor. It's hard for Lou to drive positive offense when he doesn't make his own shots. 
Did have five assists, though, and I thought he was better in the second half again. Um, part of that was along, alongside Trey, and I don't love that, but they need they need Lou to be better than he's been. I'll just say that, candidly. He's got to be better than he's been recently. He's been pretty shaky the last week plus, and they need more of him because um, he's going to play behind Trey uh, in the playoffs. Uh, Solomon Hill, nine minutes, the fewest on the team, but was also playing in crunch time defensively. Um, they trust him, obviously, to organize and do all, all that kind of stuff. I think offensively, it was pr- pretty jarring and bad at times. He had uh, two missed shots, one of which was very, very bad. Um, you know, Solomon Hill is not a complete zero on offense, but as close to it as you can probably get, honestly, for a guy who's playing the rotation. I get questions every night about him playing over Chris Dunn. I get it, but Chris Dunn, they're, they obviously just don't trust at this moment in time. Um, Hill is kind of a specialist right now for them as a defensive organizer slash defender on a big physical wing or a big, you know, like a power forward type. I think we might see Solomon Hill against Julius Randle if they play the Knicks in the playoffs. But other than that, um, you could see that his role is um, diminishing. Uh, Nick McMillan talked about that after the game, kind of acknowledged that that's one of those game, one of those things. And honestly, with Hunter getting back in the, in the rotation, you might not see Solomon Hill at all, which is okay. Um, but I thought, you know, defensively he made his impact, had a big rebound late and made his free throws, and that was uh, his biggest um, contribution to the night. Kongwu had 11 points off the bench to lead all reserves for Atlanta in only 11 minutes. So, if, uh, I mean, he was definitely efficient around the rim, four rebounds. I think defensively uh, he was not, like, dominant in the way that um, Capella often is, but I think offensively he did his job finishing around the rim, and uh, he was okay. I thought pretty good in his spot. Uh, Gallinari struggled, I thought, especially defensively. They were kind of attacking him. I think in transition, it is sometimes glaring that Gallinari just cannot change ends, and that's part of it too. He's a good Euro fouler. <laughs> he, does, he does a lot around the uh, midcourt line when they're beat in transition, but uh, it was not a good night for Gallo. Four points, five rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Um, not, not a lot of volume either. Only, only five shots. It's pretty uh, surprising and kind of weird, actually, for Gallinari, but defensively, it was pretty shaky. So that's that's some, something to circle as we look forward toward the playoffs. Um of the starters, only Kevin Herter did not reach 50, uh, double, digit, double digits. And in fact, four of the five starters had 17 points or more. Herter only had six. Again, kind of a weird night for him with foul trouble. 21 minutes, six points, six rebounds, three assists. His shooting, you know, one of five on threes. Only uh, only one two points up that actually, he actually did make. But just kind of a lost night in a lot of ways for Herter. But um, still plus nine in, in his minutes. Um, the other four starters were obviously big factors. Capella played the least, 28 minutes, but actually did not miss a shot um, from the floor. 7 out of 7 uh, for 17 points, 11 rebounds, and 2 blocks, plus 10. I don't think he was – it was definitely not his best. But, again, in the fourth quarter, he really, really sealed things off around the rim, down the stretch. That was huge. Um, before that, I would have told you that it was probably even a worse game for him. But um, you can't still argue too much with 17, 11, and 2 from Capella. And I thought he was just fine for the most part. And then uh, Collins, who we discussed earlier as a Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, 18 points, 6 rebounds, 2 blocks for John. Actually, his least efficient game of the week, 5 of 12 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3. Got to the line though eight times, I think played well defensively, and I think uh, sort of carried his weight in a uh, normal way for him. Um, Trey Young, 33 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds. Uh, Trey was uh, very, very good at times offensively. Um, d- still 2 of 8 from 3. He has been struggling a little bit with his 3-point shot. Um, obviously, you're hoping that's not going to continue because the Hawks need him to make shots when it, when it really matters in the playoffs. But uh, still, you know, 10 of 17 on 2s, totally fine. 7 free throw attempts, made all 7. That obviously helps your efficiency as well. I thought Trey played well. A couple of uh, highlight reel passes, especially that one behind the back in the first half. So uh, I thought he made, you know, made some big plays, had the assist on the, on the biggest shot of the game from Collins, all that stuff. And then Bogdanovich, 40 minutes for Bogdanovich. I talked about this a couple times the last uh, week or two, but it's actually Bogey that's leading the team in minutes since he's come back, basically, from his injury. Um, they are riding him in a big way. Uh, I'm not sure that, that I mean, 
I'm sure he's going to play a lot in the playoffs. I don't know. If, I don't know if he'll be number one in minutes, but they trust him to play a ton of minutes. That's definitely apparent right now, and that helps you if he can do that. That sort of cuts down the rotation a little bit. Forty minutes in a regular in a regulation game is uh, fairly impressive in terms of the workload. You, you don't want to overdo it on back-to-back especially, but he was very good. Plus 12, 20 points, three steals, three assists, two rebounds. He's, you know, obviously a little bit slow of foot defensively, so there's some matchup trouble there, but he's definitely big and physical, which definitely helps in a lot of ways. And uh, four or five on twos, four of ten on threes. And you know it's weird when four of ten on threes actually brings your, your percentage down, which it did. But uh, again, he made three big ones in the fourth quarter and was a huge part of the win for Atlanta. So, final thoughts on this game itself. The Hawks, obviously, um, not their A-plus effort, but more than enough to win. And again, you know, I don't, I'm not like the most reflective guy always, but, uh, you know, three seasons out of the playoffs, uh, I think the expectation is at least in some circles that they, they were going to make the playoffs this year, but uh, I picked them seventh. They're going to be ahead of that for sure, and I was one of the higher ones on the Hawks nationally anyway. Um, so the Hawks doing this, um, dominating at home, playing so well. Now they're, getting, now they're getting all the injuries. It's been pretty impressive to watch. A lot of fun to watch this team and sort of consume this season. Um, obviously, a lot more work to be done. The Hawks now have a realistic goal, again, to uh, not only make the playoffs, but also compete and win in the first round. Um, they can do that. Will they? We'll, we'll see. The Hawks absolutely can make a dent in that first round series. So should be interesting to see that. And uh, matchup wise, as we transition here to the end of the podcast, the standings are what they are at this moment, but the Knicks and Heat were both off on Wednesday. Boston's now eliminated from the top six conversation. Um, but the Hawks now have a half game lead on both the Knicks and the Heat for the four seed. If, and I say if, the Hawks win their last two games. Now, I'll say this now, the Hawks will be favored Unless there's some weird change in terms of rest or injury or something else, the Hawks should be favored by a considerable amount in both their last two games. Orlando and Houston are both not playing for anything and very much struggling. So nothing's guaranteed in the NBA. Um, Cleveland beat Boston tonight, for instance. But the Hawks should be um, keyed on winning those games, and they're playing at home. Those are games the Hawks should win. If they don't win, it'll be disappointing. So if, again, I say if, the Hawks win their last two games. The only way they can not be the four seed if they run the table is a two-way tie with the Knicks. So that is the scenario that the Hawks do not want. If you're a Hawks fan, you obviously want the Hawks to win out, but you all, the, what you don't want is a Hawks-Knicks two-way tie for the four seed. Now, there are arguments to be made, and in fact, I've, I've asked about this uh, recently, that um, if, 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 if the choices are playing the Heat in the 4-5 or playing the Knicks without a home court, which would you choose? And I would rather have the Knicks. Um, I'd rather. I'd rather. I'd rather uh, how, let's just say, I would choose playing the Knicks, even without home court, over Miami with home court. That's me. I don't think it's a absolute clear cut decision. I just trust the Heat more than the Knicks. So that's just my opinion. Regardless, though, if you want the four seed, the only way the Hawks cannot get it again if they win the rest of their games, the last two games, would be if the Knicks have a two way tie because the Knicks have a tiebreaker on the Hawks. If it's a three-way tiebreaker with the Miami Heat and the New York, New York Knicks, the Hawks would win it as the division winner in the Southeast. So, Or if it's a two-way with Miami, same thing, and the Hawks win it. So nothing's assured, but uh, that's the breakdown right now as we have it. Uh, you know, Three more games each for the Knicks and Heat at this moment in time, but only two more for the Hawks as they play on Thursday and then have two days off and then on Saturday. In fact, it's a back-to-back against Orlando on Thursday. So, um, you know, it's a back-to-back. That's always a little bit of a challenge, but no travel for Atlanta. And other than, other than Bogdanovich, nobody, nobody played a ton of minutes on Wednesday, which definitely helps. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Orlando, by the way, 
um, actually had Wednesday off, so, but they, they actually did have to travel from Milwaukee, so and a slight advantage for the Magic, but still a game the Hawks should be favored in, and probably will be favored in, in a big way, and then two days off, and then, and then Houston on Sunday. Still time TBT on that. The entire NBA, um, both on Saturday and Sunday, are still uh, TBD on, on start on start time, so if I have that, I will pass it along to you on Twitter, but that's that's the latest of all, all I know at this point in time. So, That'll wrap up the podcast tonight. Thank you for listening to the show. As always, the Hawks will be in the playoffs, which is going to be a lot of fun. So in the coming days, we'll wrap up this week with our regular kind of coverage. And then next week, um, because the Hawks avoided the play-in, at a minimum, the Hawks will have five days off next week. Monday through Friday, the Hawks will not be playing, which means they have practice time and health time, and that's very good. And we'll have all kinds of series preview content in this space so uh, keep it locked here and i will have uh, guests on and all that fun stuff please subscribe or follow the podcast based on your podcast player of choice uh, leave, leave some feedback um, ratings reviews all that fun stuff follow me on twitter at bt roland follow the show on twitter at locked on hawks and we'll see you after the game on thursday